Hello, Madison Church Online. Hello to our friends from Exchange in Green Bay. And hello to anyone else who may not be associated with either of those two organizations. We're so glad that you're tuning in. We're continuing our series, Simplify. And I want to start off by encouraging you, uh, if you're in the Church Online platform right now, to go ahead and set up a nickname, maybe add a picture to your profile, and engage in the chat. It's a great way to connect with others who are watching the message with you. And it's one of the ways that we're working to connect people with God and each other during the stay-at-home period. Now, I want to start off today by looking back at a time gone by, back before quarantines and toilet paper shortages. Think back, if you can. I know for some of us, it's tough at this point to remember what life was like back as long ago as January. But try to recall, if you can, remember how stress used to be such a big problem for us. We had our to-do lists that never seemed to get done. We were fearful of what tomorrow might bring, anxious about our jobs and finances and relationships. Remember how that felt? And then to deal with that stress, remember how we used to develop these little habits when we were anxious. We might stress eat, an entire box of Tabasco-flavored Cheez-Its or an entire quart of Ben & Jerry's ice cream right before bed. We might have bitten our nails. Any former nail biters in the chat? I guess that's really just another form of stress eating, isn't it? Hmm. Or my trademark, the leg bounce. You ever sit in a meeting and the stress is just humming and then somebody brings it to your attention that you're shaking the entire conference table with your leg bouncing? Share your best leg bounce story in the chat if you're feeling brave today. But that was all so long ago, right? And then Safer at Home came along, and now none of us has to worry or stress anymore, do we? We can all stay home and relax all day long, only going out for groceries and critical errands. And life just gently flows by. Or you live in the real world. And now many of those stresses are magnified by the current environment we're all stuck in. Weren't confident in your job before? Now you're either secluded from your manager or you're an essential employee and you're being exposed to a potentially fatal virus every day you go to work. Thought raising kids was tough before? Now you don't have the hours that they were at school to get the house cleaned up and ready for the next day. And you have to make sure that they get through their homework, have enough time outside to burn off their youthful energy, and still ensure that you have enough personal time to not go insane. If anything, being at home all day, every day, increases the stress for most of us. I know... I've had a few days in the last few months where when I just couldn't maintain my usual routines anymore, I just had to separate myself for a while for my own mental health. Well, I have a secret to share with you today. It's what the kids these days are calling a life hack, and it can help ease your stress, your worries, your fears, all in one easy step What is this amazing discovery, you ask? What invention could improve my life so simply? It's this. This is called a fidget 
spinner. This little trinket was initially designed to help reduce anxiety and fidgeting in children with learning disabilities, but now it's available to you. Just a quick little whirl of the scientifically designed arms, and you feel all your worries melt away. Available now if you call the next 13 seconds for the low, low price. Uh, just kidding. Uh, if only it was that easy. Look, we know life can be overwhelming at times. We've all felt overwhelmed. I bet you could blow up the chat just with the times you felt overwhelmed this week, couldn't you? Sometimes you might blame it on the external aspects of your life, the demands of your job, the difficult people that you're around every day, the pressure to keep up financially. The word overwhelmed itself seems to imply pressure from some outside presence, doesn't it? But what if the real problem isn't the external issues that we have to respond to? What if the real problem is internal? If it's more to do with the clutter in my soul than the clutter in my living room? We're talking about stress, worry, and fear, and the ways we all experience these soul-cluttering anxieties because they are a pervasive part of everyday life. We all deal with them. And humans have been dealing with them for a long, long time. We know this because we have stories of Jesus dealing with this kind of anxiety in his believers. You see, it was close to the end of his time on earth. He'd already been telling his disciples that he was going to be dying soon and that one of them was going to betray him to that death. The others would all be abandoning him, and one of them would even be denying him completely. So yeah, they were anxious. Wouldn't you be anxious if one of your best friends had been telling you that they were about to die, and you could be the one at blame? But in the midst of all this worry, Jesus says this, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Jesus offers them this gift that he knows can simplify their souls. He knew his friends' struggles and ours. He knows how much we need and want real peace of mind, calm in the midst of our proverbial storms. So Jesus offers a gift of peace that he says, we can't find in the world. And when we hear the word peace, if we've listened to Jesus for very long at all, we know he's not talking about just the absence of conflict. That's not what he means by peace. Because we know it's that Hebrew word, shalom, don't we? And shalom isn't a shallow lack of fighting kind of peace. It's that deep, penetrating, holistic, all-around goodness that makes our life whole and complete. It gives us confidence that even when there is conflict, we will still be okay because we have shalom peace, and even conflict can't shake God's will for us. Jesus was offering us a way to this shalom peace. But this wasn't a quick and easy one-time fix and we're happy forever because, hey, 
we live in the midst of these tensions and stressors every day, right? So he gives us a way every day to look back to him and find that peace flowing freely and readily available. We just have to accept it and trust him. Now, we preachers sure make this stuff sound easy, right? Just say yes and you win. But it's a tension. And we know it is. We live every day in the tension between trusting God and not trusting. I mean, those disciples lived in the tension between trusting and not trusting, and they were physically with Jesus on a daily basis. They literally watched him doing the impossible. They had seen him heal with no medical training or material. He didn't even wear a mask or gloves. They had seen him take a basket with enough food for one kid's lunch and then proceed to share it between thousands of people without anyone going hungry. In fact, it was right after that miracle had happened, when they should have been running on a high that should conquer any fears that they might have been feeling right then, that this next story happens. So, Jesus feeds the people, then he sends them home, and he tells his friends to meet him on the other side of the lake. He needs a bit of quiet time to be alone and to pray. So the disciples, they get in their boat. They start across the lake. And while they're on their way, a big storm rolls in. The waves are tossing them. You know, Matthew's probably getting seasick. James and John are doing all the stuff that they know to get the boat through safely. But it's a scary spot. And they start to be afraid. Of course, Jesus now, he's on dry land. The text says he's on a mountainside, so he's probably got a good view of the lake, and he can see what's happening. So he can tell his friends need some help. So he walks down from the mountainside and onto the lake and starts hiking towards the boat on top of the water. And that's how Matthew wrote it, too. He just says in a very matter-of-fact way that Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Well, at the time, the disciples, who are already riled up about the storm, they see what looks like a person walking on the surface of this lake that's being tossed around by the storm. So they interpret it as any reasonable person would and decide it must be a ghost that they're seeing because there's no way they're saying, seeing any living person on top of those waves strolling toward them. So, storm, ghost, now they're terrified and crying out in fear. <laughs> so picking up from there, we read, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. 
Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I love reading about Peter. He kind of makes me think of a guy in a sitcom. He always talks a big game, but invariably he gets it wrong. In this one, Jesus says, hey guys, it's me. And Peter goes, really? Prove it. Tell me to walk on the water too. And Jesus says, sure, come on out. So his bluff rightly called, Peter thinks, okay, I guess I'll trust him. And he climbs out of the boat and he's walking on the water. And it's gotta be incredible. I kind of imagine the waves moving under his feet and he's just floating there next to the boat, being tossed a little bit, but stable. Maybe he tries just a a little hot, you know, get a feel for it. And once he's got the hang of it, he starts walking or maybe gliding over to Jesus to give him a high five. But then as he moves further from the boat, the waves are kind of pushing him around and the light from the lanterns back on the boat starts to fade. And he realizes what he's doing is really dangerous and kind of stupid besides being impossible. And he starts to have these doubts, right? And then he feels his feet get wet and he realizes he's not floating up the next wave. And all of a sudden it overtakes him and he's underwater and he struggles back to the surface and he cries out, help! And Jesus is coming toward him and he's still dry and steady. So he says, Jesus, save me. And we read this story and we think, oh, Pete, you were so close. Why didn't you just keep trusting Jesus? Why'd you look away from him? If you hadn't been so focused on the wind and the waves and the rain, how far away from the boat you were getting, oh man, you could have gone all the way. But that's our advantage, isn't it? See, we have the ability to look back and see what he did wrong. Every time we can read about the dozens of miracles that Jesus performed, we can go over his teachings over and over. We know how he comes back from the dead after three days and how he returns to heaven a month later. And we can look around us and see how Peter and the rest of them we're able to spread that story to the ends of the earth. And now more than 2 billion people call themselves followers of Jesus. We can see all this. In fact, many of us have experienced firsthand the miracle of knowing God and the love and forgiveness of Jesus. We know the purpose that he gives us each day. We have this amazing community that loves each other and supports each other, even in the middle of global pandemics or disgusting Wisconsin winters. And we experience the unshakable hope of knowing that we will be in heaven with Jesus someday. And even with all of that, I still get anxious. I still have doubts and fears. And I know I too often will take my eyes off of Jesus 
and feel myself succumb to the waves as life's troubles get higher and higher. So I have to give Peter a little grace here, you know? He tried. No one ever in the history of the world had ever been in this situation. No one had ever seen their best friend walking on a stormy lake and been told to get out of the boat and walk with them. Peter had really good instincts. He wanted to be where Jesus was. As long as he stayed focused on Jesus, he was able to move forward. And what he accomplished with Jesus was incredible. As far as I know, he's the only non-God man that's ever successfully walked on water, even if it was only for a minute. Listen, are any of you runners? I'm trying to be one. I keep telling myself as soon as the weather warms up a little bit more, I'm going to start getting up a little earlier and you know, maybe running a few times a week. Well, as I was preparing for this message earlier this week, I came across an article in the Atlantic Journal. And it was titled, Running Faster by Focusing on the Finish Line. Those first two words really caught my attention, running faster. Because what the article describes is a study where they found that people who gaze and fix their eyes on some object in the distance, whether that's the finish line itself or a milestone along the way, they start to move faster and actually feel less exertion over the same distance than the people who were focused on their immediate vicinity and let their attention wander this way or that. Faster, but with less effort, just by focusing on where you're going. What's my point? Well, honestly, who wouldn't want to get where they're going with less exertion? Even if you don't need to be faster, you certainly want to get as much done with less effort, right? Just consider that. And consider the other half of it too. Could it be that our life feels slower and requires more effort because, like Peter, we get distracted. We lose focus. We take our eyes off of the goal and off of the one that we know that we can trust. So what can we do to keep that focus? How can we unclutter our souls and keep our eyes on Jesus in the middle of life's storms. Paul gave us a solution when he was writing to the church in Philippi. He wrote, do not be anxious about anything. Well, okay. Just don't be anxious. No worries, man. With COVID-19 all over the news, and the bars and restaurants closed, and glass windows in the grocery lanes, and 30 million people filing for unemployment, and the stock market crashing down, and 330,000 people reported dead across 177 countries. So far, why would I be anxious? Let me ask you, what are you anxious about today? 
What has you stressed out? Share it with the chat. Whatever it may be, God doesn't want us to live with stress, anxiety, and worry cluttering our souls. That's not his dream for us. So open up about the challenges you're facing, and then let's support each other through those challenges. Well, back to Paul. See, he doesn't stop at don't worry. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Paul says, when you're stressed out, When you feel anxious, when you start sinking, pray. Fix your eyes on Jesus and talk to him. He says, first, pray with thanksgiving. When I think of thanksgiving, I think of turkey and cranberry sauce. But that's just me being susceptible to consumerism. But when I think of giving thanks to God, I think about lifting my hands Would you do this with me? We're not even in the same room. So if you're uncomfortable with physical actions, at least there's no one there to see you embarrass yourself, right? So raising your hands is a way of acknowledging God for all the ways he takes care of you, provides for you over and over again. I wonder if Peter did something like that when he got out of the boat and saw that he was actually standing on the water. Did he put his hands up like this? Or, you know, maybe since Jesus was actually standing in front of him, it would have been more like this. You've done this before, right? I mean, it says, look at you. Look what you just did. This, Jesus, this is incredible. You, you've got me walking on the water. When we pray with thanksgiving, we remind ourselves of God's goodness everything that he's done in the past and everything that we can trust him to be faithful to do in the future. Some people like to keep a prayer journal where they can record the things they've asked for and then also the result when those prayers are answered. It's a great way to remind ourselves of God's provision so we don't just forget about the many times we prayed for something when the resolution finally arrives. When you're anxious, start by praying with thanksgiving. Even in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us that you should always start your prayer with praise. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. So pray with thanksgiving. But Paul also says to petition God. That means make a plea or an appeal. Or as he goes on to say, present your requests to God. He's saying, ask him for what you need. Now, when I think about asking, I think about putting my hands out like this. Because I'm asking God for something, and I trust him to provide for me. In petitioning God, we acknowledge our dependence on him. We place our trust in him. We come to him as his children, and we know that our good father will give us what is good for us. So Paul tells us we should pray with thanksgiving, which is like this, and then we should present our requests, which is like this.
So if I'm coming to God in prayer, when I'm stressed or anxious, thanking him with one hand and asking him with the other, Paul says something unexplainable happens. He says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we thank God with one hand and present our requests with the other, we experience his peace, peace of mind, peace of heart. We receive his shalom, which replaces the anxiety and the fear in our souls. When we reach out to Jesus with our prayers, as we are overwhelmed by the worries of our lives, he will reach back to us. The same way he reached to Peter when he was overwhelmed by the wind and the waves. And Jesus will give us peace in the storms that we face. Hand up in thanksgiving, hand out in petition, and eyes fixed steadily upon Jesus. Prayer is the key. Have you ever taught a child to swim? I have two kids. One's 10, one's six. And when they were both little, we would introduce them to the pool and they'd have their little floaties on their arms or a little, you know, ring to float in. But at some point, they'd have to move beyond those floaties and learn to swim the right way. Now, I'm not a great swimmer myself. As anyone who knows me well can tell you, I don't float. I sink. I just sink straight to the bottom. So swimming takes a lot of extra work for me. But when I was helping my kids to learn, they put their entire trust in me. They would start out by, you know, dipping their feet or letting me carry them through the water. And then they would move on to swimming with my hands under them or jumping off the side of the pool into my arms. After a while, they reach a point where they don't need me to hold them up anymore but they still need me to stand next to them and support them as they work on their confidence, knowing that I can reach out and grab them if something does go wrong. Well, now they can both swim circles around me. I just slow them down. It's kind of like that with our trusting in Jesus, isn't it? At first, we need him to carry us through, holding our hand the whole way. But the more that we trust him, the more our fears fade away and the more we can do alongside him. Of course, we never fully outgrow Jesus like my kids outgrow me. Our troubles never disappear fully. But the more that we trust him, the easier it is to trust. And we can keep our eyes fixed on him even when the waves are high and the wind is loud and strong. And the more that we trust, the more we experience the shalom peace that he promised to us. So lift one hand in thanksgiving, extend the other in petition, and move forward with your eyes focused on him. And let that peace that Jesus promised to you wash over you in the most amazing and unexplainable way.